0: Let's okay. get Hey everyone and welcome to the Dribble Podcast, your home for basketball in WA with an inside look at the Perth Wildcats, Perth Lynx and WA basketball throughout the 2021-22 seasons. My name is Craig O'Donoghue from the West Australian newspaper and throughout this year I'll be joined by a host of guests to provide you with as much insight and entertainment as your basketball brain can handle. In this week's episode we'll be joined by Perth Wildcats coach Scott Morrison as he continues to work through his basketball life that he couldn't have imagined when he saw to come into this country... And Perth Lynx star Lauren Scherf will join us from home quarantine after her team finally returned to WA on Sunday, sitting pretty on top of the WNBL ladder. It's been a big week since we last recorded the dribble. The Wildcats are now committed to remaining interstate until March 14 before returning home to play nine consecutive games at RAC Arena. You can guarantee they'll be counting the days, even though it means they'll have to quarantine when they get back. And as I mentioned, the Lynx are currently back at home, but not before a last minute hiccup with their game in Victoria called off because they simply ran out of fit players due to injuries, illness and the fact that two of their big names are in Serbia at the World Cup qualifiers. And as we mentioned that, WA's Sammy Wickham was appointed the Australian captain at those qualifiers and got selected in the tournament's All-Star 5. So it's certainly been a big week for her. Well, there is a lot to talk about today. So let's welcome our first guest. And if I can do my best impression of The Rock from the Super Bowl, It is time! Time to introduce a man from Canada's Prince Edward Island, who is the son of a Hall of Fame icon. He's an NBA D-League Coach of the Year who achieved his dream of joining the big time when he helped the world-famous Boston Celtics to get within touching distance of an NBA championship. And now he's flown around the world and during bureaucratic red tape, quarantine, and a life on the road to have the Perth Wildcats in second spot on the NBL ladder. He's also won the internet with his tweeting time and time again. Ladies and gentlemen, it is time to introduce your coach of the Perth Wildcats, Scott Morrison. Welcome to the Dribble Podcast.
1: Well, I... I try to match your energy, but I don't think I can.
0: I got to try and be a little bit different every now and then. And it has been tough for you. Um, and we'll cover a lot of different areas today. But uh, there's one question. Just I think everyone would like to know, and That is, how are you? Like it's been a tough introduction for you to this country, and you're you're stuck in Melbourne now after being in Tasmania. How is your life going?
1: Well, um, you know, it wasn't what we signed up for. To be to be honest, I think that's not a big secret um but it's no one's fault just uh the way things go circumstances and um we're just trying to do our best as a family to deal with it as uh, the other guys are in their families uh but at least we have each other on the road here
0: so as in when you say have each other you have the players or has your wife and kids traveled over to be in melbourne with you now
1: no i meant uh yeah no i meant like the team the players the staff like we're we're all going through the same thing uh, a handful of of, of a, in the tribal party here 've got to see their families from little small stretches or or a little bit longer, but for the most part we 're we 're all dealing with different circumstances but similar at the end of the day
0: so you were appointed in August, and that means you've been coached for 177 days as of right now, and you've spent only 30 of those living in WA in freedom, if we take out the 14 days during hotel quarantine, you've still got another month on the road. Like It's not a scenario you could have ever imagined. Who do you turn to as the head coach to when you want to vent or something like that? Because you, you don't want to vent to players, I would imagine, because you talk about staying focused and that sort of stuff. Who's your go-to?
1: Well, to be honest, um, our, our team manager, Charles, Charles Nix, Nixie. Uh, and I have kind of been uh, each other's venting partner we, we drive together to practice every morning um, and it's not every day but every now and then you know you can kind of sense when the other guy uh, needs to let a little bit off his chest and and uh, just try to listen and, and uh, complain alongside but uh, we're kind of in similar situations. He's got uh, three kids at home and uh, unable to his family's unable to travel here because his wife works and the kids are in school and lots of other reasons so. Um, it's been good to have Nixie here. He's does a great job w- with his role, but also just as a, a friend and, um, uh, you know, all, all the staff has been pretty good. Like everyone's going through it. I spoke to the players again today, you know, when we, when we first moved down here, uh, or to Tasmania. Now we're in Melbourne, but when we first moved down to Tasmania, we said you know, there's going to be days where you're going to wake up and feel sorry for yourself. You're going to want to complain, and that's fine, but just make sure that you get back on track and, and focus on why we're here. Because the worst thing that we could do is to waste uh, the time that we're here and put our families through all this stuff for, for no reason. So uh, we kind of owe it to them and to ourselves to do our best, and sometimes you got to complain for a few minutes, but then you got to get back on track and remember what you're doing this for.
0: So, so how's your wife and how's your son and how's your daughter? you missed half your daughter's life at this point, which is quite extraordinary to think of given she's, what, four or five months at the moment. I, that, that must be the hardest part.
1: Yeah, it's, it's a tough, tough thing. Um, this is actually my second time with this happening because when I went to the bubble, our son was, um, I guess, about eight or nine months, uh, missed his first word, missed his first steps, um, which was tough. But you got to hope there's a reason that you're doing these things and, and, and that you know it'll be better in the long run and um i know they're young kids they they aren't going to remember this but uh i sure will and it's been tough to to kind of see them doing stuff and getting new experiences that i can't be a part of And i just really appreciative of my wife for for basically doing all the parenting when i'm while i'm gone and um not an easy task she she signed up for this hoping that i would be around more than than usual you know in the nba you're on the road 40 some games of the year plus summer league and other, other stuff so uh, this was supposed to be a move that could keep us together more and end up kind of backfiring in that sense. But uh, hopefully this will be the last time that we have to deal with something like this.
0: Absolutely. And despite all of that, you're doing an amazing job and have this team second on the ladder. What, what was the wash-up, though, from, from the loss to Melbourne? When you look back on that, what was the thing that stood out more than anything?
1: Well, it's uh, I'm always hesitant to say you know what i think is the reason we lost or whatever because i don't want to disrespect the other team's efforts um there's 10 good teams in this league and you know any any given night a team's capable of beating another team no matter who it is and melbourne definitely was a a opponent that we were worried about um really tough defensively a lot of good players a lot of veteran guys who have won before but i think after watching the film there's a, a lot we could point to where we kind of beat ourselves um, there's the rebounding, there's um, letting guys cut back door for layups, there's not getting back in transition. Uh, I'm sure every team has their list after they lose a game, but that's kind of what we're working on, and uh, I think our systems have been proven to be pretty solid and, and capable when we execute uh, both both sides of the ball. Our half-court defense has been pretty good all season, but we're struggling with the transition defense and, and our rebounding, especially, and uh, the guys kind of have two choices. Either they clean those two things up or they become, you know, darn near perfect in the half court uh, to make up those, those points. So, um, you know, the thing with losses is it's always easier to improve after you lose one because everyone's more eager to get better and lock in and, and work harder. So, knock on wood, so far this year, every time we've lost the game, we've come back better and that's what we have to do this time as well.
0: One of the things that I sort of missed during the game as the mayhem was sort of going on with them coming back and then you guys coming back, was that Luke Travers only spent a couple of minutes on the floor in the entire second half. Was he okay or was that just an anomaly from the game given how well he played against the Phoenix previously?
1: Well, um, I would say that he he probably wasn't going to play as much just because he had turned his ankle that week and he was uh, only cleared to play on game day, but... That being said, he was available. I wasn't really happy with um, some of his defensive uh, miscues, we'll say. And um, you know, as as the great, great or ungreat, depending on how you look at it, Bobby Knight said, "There's no better um, connector to your ears than than your butt on the bench." Um, and not to say that Luke was to blame for the loss or anything like that. Everyone made mistakes, but um, there was a couple mistakes that he made that I thought hurt us. And um, subbed him out, and and uh, you know, guys like Kevin White. We're out there for kind of our comeback. And once you get rolling with the comeback, you don't really want to, you know, make a change if you don't have to. So some guys got stuck on the bench, uh, Luke being one of them, but not the only one. And not necessarily because of of their play, but more so um, the group we had on the floor was rolling and we wanted to go with them. But I'm really trying to challenge Luke just to be really solid in his details. He's got a great future ahead of him. He's got a lot of potential. He does a lot of things very, very well. And uh, I, I just want him to be as as good as he can be, possibly.
0: Your squad's really interesting from a coaching perspective. Every single game that you keep getting a different team because of injuries, or at the moment with suspension with Matt, and you've only had your, your entire roster available twice for the for the entire season so far. So you've you said a couple of times that you're trained together and everyone should be able to play with each other. But do you have a really good idea about what your best unit looks like once they're all together yet?
1: I don't. I don't think I do. To be honest, um, it's been different. On different games, you know, the Southeast Melbourne game, we went really small with uh, Vic at the five, and and Luke was playing defensively anyway, the four, and we were probably as small as any team that's played in the NBL this season, uh, or small lineup, I should say. You know, in other games... You know, Jesse's been out there as a stretch five um, when we've made our big runs and um, different guys have had different shining moments, you could say. So it's nice that we've had different guys step up. But at the same time, you know, kind of like you alluded to, it's also nice when you know what your best lineup is. And I'm not sure we we have that yet. And maybe it depends on who the, the opponent is. But at the end of the day, we've got to kind of got get enough consistent play out of guys where we can really see who we want to go to in crunch time.
0: So you mentioned the, the rebounding. That's been the biggest issue that, has, that fans have certainly been talking about. And Vic Law did a press conference today where he said, Coach, keeps telling me to box out and I haven't been, so that's my fault. Um, that, uh, what can you do in this environment at the moment? You're negative 34 across rebounds for the past three games and uh, it's a clear problem throughout the entire season for you when you haven't gone well. What does the team need to do to, to fix this up, do you feel?
1: I think they just have to prioritise it. Um it's, uh, it's a tough thing because, you know, rebounding is one of those deals where you don't really practice it a whole lot, and also you're kind of inviting the threat of injury when you really get on guys to hammer each other in practice, but they still have to go find a body and, and make sure that their, their own guy doesn't get it. I think rebounding numbers can be misleading. Um, I used the example to the team today of Russell Westbrook. You know, when he was averaging a triple-double, in OKC, a lot of those rebounds were credit to Stephen Adams for blocking his big guy out and Westbrook just kind of cleaning up the the loose change. But um, a lot of times the guys who do the dirty work or, or block out or keep their own guy off don't get the rebound and, and thus don't get credit for it. But we're going to have to tuck our pride aside and And, uh, the guys are worried about the numbers, but I think sometimes you can look at your rebounding totals and say, Oh, I got eight rebounds. I'm doing really good on the glass. But at the end of the day, if you missed four or five blockouts where the guy you're supposed to be checking, um, got the second chance, then those other rebounds don't mean quite as much. So I think it's just a team effort, you know, to make sure all five guys are engaged. Um, you know, we have a lot of guys that do great things and, sometimes the negatives aren't as easy to see, like like the blocking out. So we just got to pay attention to those small details and make sure we we pick it up.
0: So we're entering a pretty crucial month in terms of the NBL uh, and and squads, I reckon. We're seeing some teams make changes already. And you'll be back home in March and there'll be quarantine issues once that occurs. And this week, the NBA uh, COVID hardship rule will expire for for 10-day contracts, which will see players around the world probably feel a bit more comfortable about moving around. Is this your squad guaranteed, or may you be forced into looking around and saying we need more height? What's your perspective on it at the moment?
1: Well, I think um, that's probably a question better suited for Danny Danny Mills, but um, being my first time through, I'm not really sure how things you know, generally operate at this point in time of the season. Uh, obviously, following these type of leagues from afar, you don't, Maybe see all the transactions that happen and and when they happen. But I think, um, you know, in this type of an environment, this type of league, you got to always have your eye on things, but uh, stay focused on your own group. So I'll try to stay focused on on our group and being the best we can be and helping the guys the best I can. And uh, I'm sure that Danny will get across me if there's something that comes up that might be able to help us, you know, for the stretch run. I know there's, it seems like we've been going for a long time, but we're not even really halfway through our game schedule, having only played 12 games, but it's going to happen fast. There's a lot of games here in the next three weeks, and uh, like you said, once we get back home, it's going to be tough to make many changes, but if there's something there that can help the team, I'm sure that the front office will, will get it done.
0: So, I love your backstory and the work you've done to get to where you are. For the listeners who aren't aware, Scott's a classic example of someone who has done absolutely everything possible to succeed, including driving the bus and Helping with laundry in his first year as basically an, an intern in the NBA D League, but your, your approach to analytics really intrigues me. Take me through the three thousand shot investigation you did on how shots are actually created.
1: Yeah, sure. I'm, I'm not sure it was three. Th- it felt like a lot more than three, but my, it might have been around three thousand. But it was a lot of shots for sure that I that I tracked. But <clears throat> excuse me. But basically, when I got to volunteer in the D League, now the G League, it was about nine nine ten years ago, and analytics was really taking off in terms of shot selection and teams trying to get away from mid-range and long twos and really focus on getting threes and there was a team uh, in the g league at the time rgv vipers who was um the houston rockets team and they were like the leaders in that analytics push they were you know gunning threes chucking threes basically zero twos other than layups or free throws and um I took an interest in it, and I felt like, from a player's point of view, it was hard. I guess I thought some threes were better than other threes, and I, sh- I didn't think all threes should be painted with the same brush. Basically, I figured by tracking them and tracking the percentage based on how the shot was created, whether it was dribble into the three or just pass it around and shoot it or get in the paint and kick it out, um, I tried to figure out what the most valuable threes would be. And didn't take a rocket science to do it, but I wanted to have... Something on paper to kind of back my my beliefs, and that was that you know threes that come from a paint thread or a paint touch where they get kicked out, or um, the defense is shrunken into the paint and then has to close out to shooters. Those threes are obviously the best ones you can get. So I kind of wanted to come up with a way to help players determine what a good shot was and a bad shot was without having to overthink it. And in a simplified way of putting it, basically, we said, hey, if the ball touches the paint before you shoot it, you know, make sure you're firing it when you catch it. And uh, as an offensive attack, you want to make sure you get those paint threads and not just pass the ball around or triple in to shoot a three. Now, certain players are... The exception, obviously, is someone like Steph Curry. If he's dribbling down and can get a open three, he should take it. Analytics is all based on success. It's not so much that analytics says don't take twos. It's just that not many guys can hit twos at the same success rate as threes. Like, um, you know, I think there was 11 players in the NBA last year that shot mid-range over 50%. So those guys, for those guys, analytics is shooting mid-range. But um, for the rest of the league, the majority of the league, they should be, you know, looking for kick-out threes or spot-up threes and either being ready to take them or being the guy who can try to get his teammate one. So that was a kind of a long, convoluted answer, but basically I studied how to determine what a good shot was.
0: So we've seen Bryce this year as a classic example. We've seen him multiple times drive into the paint and then flick it out to, to Vic in the corner, and it, and Vic's nailed the shot, and everyone at, the, at RSC Arena went wild ago, and we haven't seen Bryce do that before. Is, is that the the style that you're referring to there? You know, get it right in, get everyone focusing on the one player, and then flick it out to the guy
1: who's clear? Yeah, well, again, it's, again, it's not it's not game changing or rocket science, but we definitely track and encourage getting the ball into the paint. And then whether either it's finishing at the rim or getting fouled or getting a kick out three, that's, that's the best possible offense for us. And, um, you know, having studied that for now 10 years, probably basically at every level, the difference between, um, that type of a shot versus a shot you take when you don't get into the paint is about 30% on success rate difference. um, so, you know, it's one of those things where everyone knows that, but I think it's important to track it because if it's a game where you're not attacking as much as you should, you can point to the numbers and kind of remind the players, that, hey, you know the numbers, we got to get in, this is what we're getting in right now, it's not enough, you know, get a little bit more aggressive, look to attack the paint more and get our shots that way as opposed to just, um, you know, get in isolation situations or dribble down and shoot and kind of be a more, more of a settling, um, shot selection. So it's something that everyone knows, but it's nice to have the numbers there to back you up.
0: Now I mentioned Bryce before, we have our award here called the Dribble Podcast MVP and the, the, the votes I went for in the Wildcats game for the listeners, was one vote to Vic Law, didn't shoot well but still had a double-double, 12 points, 10 rebounds and 3 blocks. Two votes went to Mitch Norton, 21 points, 4 assists, 2 steals and played through pain yet again. And three votes to Bryce Cotton, 31 points, 5 rebounds, 4 assists, 2 steals and a block yet people still said Melbourne did an amazing job of defending him. I always find that bit different when people say that about price. now imagine analytics like we've seen in cricket all summer teams focus on specific matchups between bowler and batter AFL coaches have alarms going off in the coaches box when their opposition go past certain KPIs but you, you're standing on the sidelines in games and just having to, to really trust your eye I suppose more than anything but you do have a, a big sheet of paper stuck in your pocket which you refer to at different points what are the, the key things you're trying to focus on during games when you don't have the opportunity to go back and look at replays or have someone in your ear telling you this stats up to this this or, or this is what's going on from, from an analytical standpoint during the game?
1: Well, uh, offensively, the main thing I'm focused on is, is how we're going to get an advantage. Uh, I, I believe offense is pretty simple in terms of you got to get an advantage, you got to maintain it through spacing and ball movement and then obviously finish off with, with making a shot somewhere along the way. Um, so for me, it starts with how can I help the guys main or get an advantage. That's where I think the coach can help the most, whether it's calling a certain play or... Uh, alerting the team to a certain matchup we can expose. That's really how I'm looking at the game offensively. How, how is the other team playing our screens? Um, how do we want to attack it so we get that advantage and, and so forth? Uh, defensively, you know, it's more so are we sticking to our system? Um, we have a defensive system that in theory could – can defend any action that other team throws at us. Um, easier said than done, obviously, with the amount of good players that we have to play against, but it's more so tracking, like, are we making little mistakes within our system? Because that's when we're exposed for giving up easier easier shots than we intend to. Um, so, yeah, analytics doesn't play a big deal during the game, but it does play a big deal in terms of our preparation and, and how we uh, set up our system, you could say.
0: We've seen a lot of the Australian-based sports coaches looking overseas at different sports to try to work out different ways, things they can steal, basically. Um, you're having a first look at Aussie sports at the moment. Is there anything that you've looked at and gone, we can? I could utilize that sport to add something different to the way I coach?
1: Um, not too much yet. I mean, cricket, I enjoy learning about it, and um, I kind of probably, I guess, would relate it more to baseball just because of, the obviously, the pitching or the bowling and the batting. Um, so I didn't see a whole lot from cricket that we could take other than the mindset i really uh talked about the scorchers a lot because they were in a similar situation than us not exactly the same they were i believe on the road for a shorter time and they kind of knew when they were going to go home um so a little bit different than us but that being said they we're able to step up every every game and and get the job done regardless of their situation. So that's been something I've pointed to. Um, but I'm I'm also now turning my attention to, to AFL and trying to learn the rules there. And I'm sure there's going to be some stuff with you know spacing and pace and um, that kind of stuff that maybe we can take from it. Um, so we'll see. I know I know. Even when I was working in the NBA, a lot of the teams did and still do have Australian like sports science department guys and guys who are kind of running all their their load management and their training and um i know that in perth here with the wildcats that's been top notch as well so it's been my job a lot easier being able to just count on those guys for kind of letting me know you know how much to do each day and what we should do to make sure the guys are at their peak performance by by game night
0: i'm sure you're monitoring a hell of a lot of stuff back home and back in america as well given you lived in both canada and america how, how did you guys watch the Super Bowl?
1: well i got lucky in a certain respect because uh Most of our team um, got their booster shots on Sunday here in Melbourne and as a result we went pretty light on Monday just because some guys would be feeling ill and a little bit under the weather and we had lots of time to prepare for the next game so we cut things short on Monday morning and was able to get back and um, watch the second half so it was kind of nice uh, you know, get some snacks and put the game on and, and, and text the friends back home who were all watching the same thing. It doesn't happen that much with the time difference, but uh, it was a nice little break, uh, I guess, from reality to do that and didn't hurt that it was a good game and also didn't hurt that I had Bengals plus four and a half.
0: <laughs> you love a punt. I love the fact that you bet on the sport that you don't even know anything about at times as well. Betting on the Scorchers when you've watched about three games was the greatest Australian thing I reckon we've bet. <laughs> we'll, we'll bet on anything. You do have a, an important... Game coming up uh, in a couple of days that has nothing to do with you but a lot to do with your home country, and that's Canada playing in the ice hockey gold medal match at the Winter Olympics. Have you set that day aside for yourself?
1: Yeah, to be honest, I'm a little bit disappointed in myself for the lack of Olympics that I've watched. Um, I do have a few bets down on on Team Canada to win hockey and curling. Um, The funny thing was last last Olympics, um, I believe we lost to the US in the gold in both men's curling and men's hockey on the same day. Um, gotta be one of the most disappointing days in Canadian winter Olympics history. So hopefully we can get the gold. It's not quite the same, um, vibe to it because, well, first of all, I'm here, which is, is a big difference. Um, and I was a little bit disappointed. Australia beat Canada in, mixed curling and not one guy talked trash to me so i was a little bit disappointed in the guys for that uh but i didn't bring it up uh until after the fact either um but the fact that the nhl players aren't playing hockey for the casual fan like me it takes a little bit away from it. i don't know any of the players and um you have to wonder is it the best against the best whereas as we saw this past summer or this past winter for you guys in in basketball you knew you were getting everyone's best best crack or pretty close to it and um, the best teams were the ones that were winning and in the hockey I couldn't tell you one player that's playing so definitely rooting for the home team or the home country but um, doesn't have the same kind of stakes, I guess, as when when the NHL guys are playing.
0: Well, mate, maybe no one got stuck into you about the curling, but I'll mention the fact that as of recording right now, Canada has won the exact same number of gold medals as Australia in the Winter Olympics, and it's 38 degrees here in Perth right now, so I, we're not the, the greatest country when it comes to the winter, and you guys are, so I reckon we're doing okay. Um, you have another big day coming up from a Canadian point of view. It's Prince Edward Islander Day in a couple of days' time, so I'm sure the family back at home will be having a public holiday, and is that, is that a day that means a lot to you at all?
1: <laughs> I didn't even really know it existed to be honest oh, really? <laughs> um, I think I, I think the way they do it back home is every province um like every state, every province has their own day and some people call it family day. Um, I guess we call it Prince Edward Island Day. But I haven't been in Prince Edward Island this time of year for, man, probably 22 years. Um, so I haven't, been, I haven't been around to celebrate, I guess. Uh, but maybe I'll have to have a, a beer or two here in, in, in honor of the, of the PEI Day.
0: Uh, Very good. Well, we'll finish up with a segment which we call This or That. Just a basic question where you can't sit on the fence and we need a clear answer. And given you've spent so much time in hotels and in quarantine and we're about to speak to a Perth Lynx player who is in quarantine, I thought we'd talk about some quarantine stuff today and entertainment. What's the best way to spend your entertainment um, hours when you're in quarantine? By binging on a series or binging on movies?
1: I go series, for sure.
0: Anything specific?
1: Man, how much time do we have? That's a whole other (laughs) podcast. Um, Right now, I'm watching Inventing Anna. I I like series because... I can watch my film, my game film, my, uh, my basketball stuff on my laptop and have a show going in, in the background. And don't really have to be too locked into the show. Uh, whereas movies, I feel like you got to be more locked in and I don't really have two hours to burn most days. But the series, you can get through quick and um, you can always press pause on the game film if there's an important part in the show. But you still can get through it without missing a whole lot and, and multitask.
0: Uh, Brent, well, look, thanks so much for your time. You've been fantastic to deal with ever since getting the job and you're leading this club through extraordinary circumstances and your life obviously isn't easy at the moment. So we really uh, appreciate you coming on and all the work you've done so far uh, for basketball in this country. So thanks for your time and good luck this weekend.
1: Yeah, no, same to you, Craig. Thanks for everything, man, and appreciate all you've done for us and uh, hopefully we'll see you in three and a half weeks here.
0: And now it's time to enter the lair. And just as we did with Scott Morrison, I'm transforming into the rock for my own amusement. So it is time. It is time to speak to a woman who has become a WNBL double-double machine. She is dominating the boards like nobody in Perth Lynx franchise history. This 196-centimeter athletic beast has been overpowering her opponents amid the dream of adding another WNBL championship to her trophy cabinet. She is an Asia Cup bronze-winning Opal, she is a tower of power and she is quarantining in an Airbnb south of the river. Ladies and gentlemen, it is time to introduce Perth Licks Centre. Lauren Scherf, welcome to the Dribble Podcast.
2: Thank you. Thank you for having me.
0: Now, we're nearly 48 hours into quarantine for you. You're in a house with several other teammates. Take us through the living situation.
2: So, yeah, So, at the moment, I am living with Alex Sharp, Mackenzie Clinch Hoycard and Taya Burrows. Yep. And it's quite eventful, let me tell you. <laughs> so,
0: so I find that house really interesting. From what I've been able to gauge, you and Alex Sharp appear to be really good friends. Um, and she's one of the more serious members of the team, extremely intelligent. Taya Burrows is an energizer, a buzzit bunny, who is probably a bit like me, announcing myself as the rock just then. She doesn't stop talking. She reminds me a bit about, about myself, and I reckon most people want to throw me through a window most days. <laughs> What's it been like living with in that sort of a situation?
2: No it's actually been really good I mean Taya and Mac keep me keep well Sharpie and myself very entertained Um, and yeah I mean it's good to have the girls around because the last quarantines I've done have been in a hotel room so I haven't had anyone Um, so yeah so this really helps with getting through quarantine just having those girls around really yeah makes it a lot easier
0: So we're recording this on Tuesday at 1 p.m. You're allowed to train as a group to leave the house, but that's all you're allowed to do. Have you trained yet and how often are you going to train to make sure you all get out of the house?
2: Yeah, so um, we're allowed to train from 8.30 to 1 um, every day. So the court's available to us um, at Bendat um, and we're just, you know, I mean I think all of us girls are going to go every day just to get out of the house and not be so cooped up in here Um, and I mean it's good too to just you know be able to get out and just exercise Um, it's just good for our mental health and yeah so that's what we do we just go to the courts train for however long and then come back home and yeah, just chill out. It was certainly oh the the
0: challenge you had interstate was quite amazing. Like we, we had former Lynx coach Andy Stewart on as our guest on January four, and we talked about the extremes you were going to face with travel at that point. And then COVID hit the league, games got uh, got postponed, and it got even harder. I was looking back through it and. From January twelve to January twenty nine, that's eighteen days. And you played seven games, flew to Canberra and back, flew to Sydney and back, and drove six hundred and fifty kilometers to either get to the airport or play games in Victoria. So you only had two days off during that time and were constantly on the road, either in the air or in a in a car. You're one ninety six, as we said. Like how do you get through the recovery sort of things there and just trying to not be mentally exhausted by the end of
2: it? Um, well I think, you know, the group of girls that we have on the team, it makes it uh, a lot easier to you know because everyone on the team they're so great, like you know they understand we 're all in the same position, and you know we 're just here to you know help make life a little easier, but I think living in Ballarat and the resources that we had like we um like definitely the rad Center um they really helped us out with you know physio recovery um they had whatever we needed, um and you know just try to make. Uh, Ballarat kind of like what it is back here in Perth, a little bit more like home and then have a bit more of a, you know, a schedule and, you know, just a place that we can feel like, you know, like it's kind of still the same as what we were doing here in Perth.
0: So you've won a title and we know that you know how important team cohesion is and you can, you can be broken in these sorts of situations if people don't get along with each other. You're on top at the moment, so team cohesion must be really good. Can you sense that there's something special about how this group has gelled off the court that helps to play so well on the court?
2: Oh, definitely. I mean, the morale in the team is like outstanding. I mean, from you know, it doesn't matter what position you are on the team. Like, we're here to, you know, get the job done, do what we need to do, and we are we back each other 110%. So, I mean, even in trainings, like, you know, we're there to make each other better, which I think really helps with the result that we have on the table at the moment. Um, but, you know, we're all here for one thing, and, you know, that's to try, try and win the championship. And, you know, everyone's locked in. And, yeah, I mean, these group of girls, like, it's something special.
0: So let's talk about you because you're an amazing an amazing nick at the moment. I, I mentioned when we spoke to you on December 7 that the Lynx fans should be really excited about what you could do for this group. And right now you're averaging 14.6 points, 11.6 rebounds, and are among only four players in the league to have taken 20 shots from a three-point range and be shooting at 45%. Your last two games were 19 points and 18 rebounds, 17 points and 16 rebounds. Is this career best form for you, do you feel?
2: Uh, Yeah, yeah. I feel like, yeah, being here in person, just being with the, you know, the coaching staff and the team that we have, um, it's just, I don't know, it's locked in a different mindset for me and I mean, I guess you can see it on the stats, but yeah, it's just, you know, I think it's just a different environment and... You know, you can definitely see how I'm playing, but I, you know, I've got to credit, give credit where it's due, and like that, you know, that's to the environment that I'm currently in with, you know, the girls and the coaching staff. So, yeah.
0: Should be noted that since the West Coast Waves became the Perth Lynx for the 2015-16 season, there's only six players who have ever won 14 rebounds in a game for the team. Lauren is the only one to have done it more than once, and she's done it three times this year. So shows you the, the form that she, uh, she is in at the moment. What do you focus on? Like around When you're going into a game, what's your biggest focus point to make sure that you're performing in the way you are?
2: Well, I know that we have an, a lot of elite uh, scorers on our team. Um, so I know for me that, you know, if I get the ball, not good or whatever, but I know that I need to be there on the rebounds um, because, you know, I'm the tallest out on the floor. So... I, yeah, that's my mindset going into a game is just like defense and rebounding. So, you know, I'm just there to do my job and trying to help the team best I can. And if I can score, then like that's great. But I know that we have elite scorers on our team. So rebounding is like a major goal of mine is to just, you know, try and get as many rebounds as I can each game.
0: <laughs> Did you get any feedback about why you didn't make the Opals group?
2: Uh, I just, you know, um was told, you know, just keep keep doing what you're doing um it's still the world cup you know is still there so um i'm just going to keep working and see what happens the selection is out of my control
0: well, we need to speak about the Opals because they were the only game involving a Perth Links player over the weekend. So they travelled to Serbia for three World Cup qualifying games the Opals didn't need to actually win because they already guaranteed a spot in Sydney. But they won two of their games against Brazil and Korea and lost to the host nation, Serbia. But Perth Lynx superstar Sammy Wickham was named Australian captain and also selected in the tournament's All-Star 5. That's successive tournaments as captain of Australia and an All-Star 5 player for Sammy. Now, you hadn't played with her before. For this year, but you only played against her. Now that you're playing with her, what makes her great?
2: Just her leadership um, on and off the floor. Like, she has such a high IQ and to be able to witness and, you know, have that guidance from her, like – that has been so valuable to the team and, you know, and myself especially to be able to, you know, um, just be able to play alongside of her. Like I have, yeah, I mean, we have so many studs in this team and um, I'm so grateful to be able to play with each and every one of them.
0: We do see or we've seen during her time in the WNBA how she – brings a group together and and seems to be a real morale person within teams is, is that something that you noticed straight away at, at the Asia Cup given you hadn't actually trained with her as a Perth Lynx player at that point she rocks up all of a sudden she's your captain and the, the team which was a young group really, really went so well straight away
2: yeah like I said like it's just her leadership and the professionalism that she goes about things like she she wants to win and she's competitive and she's hard-working and I think that really rubs off on a team and you know when you- you see one person doing it you know you want to you want to be a part of it and you want to go along and you want to follow what they're doing so like just to be able to play with her like I'm so appreciative and so grateful and I'm just going to cherish every moment that yeah, I have.
0: She's a bit different to when she played over here originally, And she? She, she? she was this three-point dominant player when she was here in – twenty last year's season was 2017-18 that she was here. But now she's dangerous around the rim. She's dangerous as a passing player and she's dangerous from the perimeter. Is, is she a real example to people that you've got to have more than one weapon to turn to?
2: I mean, she can do it all. <laughs> like, you know, she just – she does what we need in this team and um, credit to her. Like, she's just evolved – So much, and I mean witnessing it—you know—every game. It's just—it's just so great to watch, and I'm sure that the fans are just loving, you know, witnessing what's going on in our team, and you know, hopefully, we can. Uh, bring more of that to come so
0: take me back to last friday when you were uh, preparing to play against bendigo and you looked around the the, the team and there weren't even enough people to get out onto the court to train and you probably were thinking if we have to play this game i'm going to spend 40 minutes on court what was that moment like
2: i mean yeah i mean it is what it is um you know, we've got Dars and Sammy off at Opal's duties and, you know, it's great to see them doing doing that. And then um, these things happen. I mean, we're dealing with COVID all season and so we just got to be prepared with whatever whatever it brings us.
0: Oh, we, As I said, we had no match for you guys on the, on the weekend because of the lack of players who were available. So there were no Dribble podcast links MVP votes because there was no game to vote on. But if we do a quick recap <laughs> of where it is right now, we have Marina Mabry leading that award on 15 votes and the lady we're talking to, Lauren, and is right on her shoulder just two behind on 13 and um is marina looking like she's going to be out of that moonboat anytime soon what what's the the latest talk from her
2: i don't know exactly what the whole details are but i know that she's doing everything right and yeah she'll be out there soon yeah raring to go i can only imagine it <laughs>
0: What's the feeling like about, you've been in Ballarat, so you weren't in the heart of Victoria, a good hundred and ten, kilometres, I think, out of the city, so the the COVID situation wasn't as threatening there as what it would have been if you were living in the heart of town, but by avoiding COVID, you're now the only team that hasn't had COVID. Is there a bit of a nerve-wracking moment now about what happens if it rips through the team?
2: Yeah, I mean, we're all just trying to do the same thing that we are doing in Ballarat and, you know, just doing the right things uh, with our safety and uh, with our health and well-being and... Um, we're all just doing, you know, what we can to keep our bodies and minds right and just being careful where we can. So, yeah, we're just doing the best possible for what is needed for our team.
0: And with what's likely to be three weeks or so between games, uh, given how much you've played – in the past couple of weeks, is it nice to have a bit of a break now or do you feel like you're going to have to do a fair bit of work during that time to to keep yourselves at the level that you've been?
2: Well, I think with this break it will help us get back into our routines back here in Perth. So, um, you know, being on the road, having to play so many games in so many weeks, um, we kind of lost, you know, that routine that we had here in Perth um, originally. So I think coming back to Perth, you know, having a solid schedule and, you know, being able to train properly um, each week will definitely help with us getting our feet back on the court.
0: Well, that really helped defensively as well. Like, you, ha- you haven't had numbers to actually put five on five at, at times during training, such as the, the situation with injuries and not having all your D- DPs over there and with players in Serbia. Like, you haven't had the chance to really do a solid training session, have you?
2: No, not quite. So I mean, we had Rahan come in, you know, trying trying to show off his skills. Uh, <laughs> and um, yeah, I mean. He does a really good job with trying to, you know, keep morale really good. And so we're just with the girls that we have on court. You know, we just still train hard and we still try to make uh, each and every one of us better.
0: Did anyone target Ryan? Ryan Patrick, the coach, obviously, when he was do- doing training like that. Did anyone try to get stuck in him a little knee here or there, a little elbow here or there? It was a bit of fun to try to make your coach feel it.
2: Oh yeah, we yeah. I know there were a couple of us that were definitely, you know, trying to stick it to him. Um, but you know, it's all in good fun and he'll give it to us back. So you. Know, it's
0: just a bit of fun at the end of the day <laughs> absolutely well we always finish uh, our podcast with a segment called this or that you can't sit on the fence just a clear answer and i put this same question to scott morrison because you've both been quarantining a hell of a lot so you've quarantined after the australia cup, uh, after the asia cup and coming over here afterwards as well so what's a better way to spend quarantine is it binging on a series or is it binging on movies binging on a series and what's your series at the moment then
2: um I have just finished uh, Power. It's, yeah, it's on Stan. Power really on Stan, good. okay. Oh,
0: yeah. Our producer here, Sam, is nodding her head Ferociously going, yep, she enjoys that too. So I've, yep. <laughs> I haven't got to that one yet, but it might be something to add to the list. Well, look, thank you so much for joining us. Re- really appreciate it. You've been an amazing form so far, and hopefully that can continue. And we hope to see the team playing at the Bendat Basketball Centre in front of Lynx fans in a couple of weeks because it's been more than two years since that occurs. So we will all look forward to seeing you out there. Yeah,
2: we can't wait to be back in the court um, with our fans watching. So, yeah, thank you. uh
0: Brent, well, look, that's it for the Drubal Podcast week. Remember, keep logging on to thewest.com.au for all of your basketball news and pick up your copy of the West Australian. Links were on the back page on Monday if you missed it, Links fans. Thank you to Samantha Rogers, as always, for her production work. Thanks to Scott Morrison and Lauren Scherf for their time. We'll be back next week for another episode of the Dribble Podcast.